Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome, and this is Cindy Meyer, your host of the weekly Spirit Seeker Hour, brought to you by Spirit Seeker Magazine. And Spirit Seeker Magazine has been published in the Midwest as a print magazine for over 22 years, but we have been a digital magazine read online by people all over um, the United States and into Canada, and in some cases we get emails from Europe. So. Um, we've been online since 1998. We were um, a little early ahead of the, the rest of the, the, the publishers with online digital publishing. So our online magazine is larger, but you will find our print magazine in Chicago and um, St. Louis and West Palm Beach, Florida is our newest um, area, and we will be expanding more into the Florida area. We also have a weekly email newsletter letting you know when the magazine is online, uh, who the radio show guests are, and we do allow other uh, people to promote their events on our email list, but we do not ever sell it, so it is sacrosanct. So by joining our email newsletter, you will uh, have the opportunity to be eligible for drawings for books and DVDs and CDs and tickets for events. Um, so you can join our email list in one of two ways. You can either go to spiritseeker.com, and there is a link on the front page to join our email newsletter, or you can send us an email um, to info, info, at spiritseeker.com. Just to give you a, um, one more uh, bit of information before I bring on my guest, you will find Spirit Seeker uh, at many of the upcoming events. We will be at the Witches' Night Out in St. Charles on October 26th. Over 4,000 women come through the doors, and um, I will be there actually doing readings and having the magazine. And then we will be at the Crossroads Metaphysical Fair um, in St. Louis on October 27th and 28th. And then we will be at the Awake Expo in Springfield, Illinois on um, November 3rd and 4th. In between, we're at a lot of other events, but those are the big ones, um, and you will find the uh, November issue at all of those events. Okay, so without further ado, I'm going to tell you about my um, guest this evening, and then I will bring him on. Guy Finley, uh, I've heard his name for for a long time, and I've um, He's just been on the front lines of helping people. Uh, he's an internationally renowned spiritual teacher and best-selling self-help author. He is the founder and director of Life of Learning Foundation, a nonprofit center for transcendent self-study located in Merlin, Oregon. He also hosts the Foundation's Wisdom School, an online self-discovery program for seekers of higher self-knowledge. He is the best-selling author of The Secret of Letting Go and 45 other books and audio programs that have sold over 2 million copies in 26 languages worldwide. Guy's latest book is Relationship Magic, Waking Up Together. and it, uh, This book applies decades of spiritual wisdom to practical relationship challenges, transforming any relationship from mundane to magical. You can uh, find out more about the book at his website, relationshipmagicbook.com. And Guy, welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks, Cindy. Yeah, so um, if I understand correctly, this is your first relationship book. You've been on the front lines of self-discovery and helping people, you know, really do the you know, getting to know yourself and, you know, making the magic in your life. But this is this is a relationship book. And um, so can you just tell us, like, your journey, like, you know, 45 years um, helping people is uh, – oh, I'm sorry, 45 books. What am I saying, 45 years? But but you've been doing this a long time. So from when you it's started – 45 years. You know, I wondered. I, I'm like, where did that come from? <laughs> it's but, almost 45 years. 
It's, yeah, uh, and near, you've been... it's, certainly, it's near 40. Okay. All right. And, you know, so you're one of the front runners on this horizon with, um, I mean, you know, we all, we all have the 19th century Florence Govulsion and, you know, some of the other ones. But, but how did you, what was your calling? You know, did you study people and, you know, always interested in curious, curiosity of um, making yourself a better person and helping others? Or how did you get called to this work, if, if I may ask? Um, well, the first answer to the first part of your question is that even though my works up until now have not necessarily been uh, related directly to relationships, in the end, I think, Cindy, that everything about our life is a relationship, and everything about relationships, to the point of my book, is about discovering things about ourselves that we can't discover any other way other than through relationships. If we really think about it, which I urge everybody to do, not to believe what I say, but to share in what we're going to explore, where is it and how is it that we learn anything about ourselves other than through those moments where, one way or another, Maybe we're outside someplace and uh, a, a falling leaf catches our attention or the color of the sky when the sun is about to set. Any one of a thousand million possibilities, in those moments we get to experience a certain level of our own nature, of our own consciousness, that prior to that moment of relationship with the sunset or the falling leaf, or the dog running across the park, whatever it is, that in that moment suddenly we realize that we have aspects to our own nature that we don't know about and that we get to experience in those moments of that relationship. So that's why I say that in one respect, yes, first book about relationships per se, but in the end everything that I've ever written about is about the relationship that we have with life and what we are here to learn about ourselves and this life through those relationships. So that's the first answer to your question. The second part is I was born and raised in a fairly successful show business family, Cindy. My father, his name was Larry Finley, and before names that most people don't even know now, Johnny Carson, Jack Parr, Steve Allen, the great early television luminaries that led the way in terms of variety television programming and bringing guests on to entertain. My dad actually invented the genre. Back in 1951, he was the very first person to have a talk show on television. So as a result, I grew up uh, literally in the arms of, well, you know, dare I say it, you know, Jane Mansfield and all these uh, celebrities. My running mates as a boy were the children of the Illuminati at that time, the Sinatras, the Manellis, the Arnezes, the Martins. Maybe a lot of people don't know those names anymore, but back in the day, those were the the, the big stars. So, I don't know how or why, Cindy, but starting at the age of five or six years old, 
something didn't ring true. I, I couldn't tell you why. How does a child know? But there were certain contradictions that were inescapable to me. One of them being, well, here's everybody in the world and everybody's throwing themselves at these people, including my father. But they're also angry and afraid and dysfunctional. Alcohol on the breath of everybody. I mean, a thousand little tells, if you will, about a torment I couldn't understand, but that as I aged, literally from 6 to 10 to 12, I began to want to know what is all of this about, and more importantly, what does it have to do with me? So my spiritual journey began as a boy very early on. Right. You were on a in a fast track in many ways with, you know, when you're around successful people like that, but then, you know, there's a conundrum when things aren't matching. Yeah, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> it's a contradiction. Yeah. It's a yeah. contradiction, and we all experience that. I mean, how is it that we can love somebody and be so full of anger at the same time? That's a contradiction. Either the love is real or the anger is true. But they can't both be true at the same time. So this is the kind of thing that I was ceaselessly exploring starting at the age of 11 and 12 years old. I started writing to try to resolve this immense difficulty in my own mind and heart about why it is that people who have so much act like they have so little. And that's how it began, honestly. So with your family of origin, um, you know, we all know pretty much that our the family we land into, whether you believe it's by choice for your soul's life lessons or if it's just random, it really doesn't matter. You're in this in this family and your parents are your first teachers. So what did you learn about this whole relationship magic growing up, looking at your parents and being part of this family that was like really in um in the the womb of I mean talk radio I mean Johnny Carson come on you know like all the different people you mentioned that was the deal you know I mean I remember seeing the Beatles on Johnny Carson for the first time and you know those were the shows you watched you know yeah. <laughs> everyone around a little black and white tv until it went to color I I wouldn't know how to answer that exactly Cindy because the the real the real impetus in those days was not something that I could formulate. I think that every person, all of us, come into this world and on one hand we we are the children of something that is celestial and divine. We are in one way or another born out of an act of love, no matter how low a level that may have occurred at. And in spite of that, in our hearts, there's pain. There's confusion. We don't know who we are. We don't even know why we're here. And what we have growing up, as I did, is all of these individual, seemingly iconic people. And you can see that even though the world seems to act as if they know what life is about, their secret sorrow and the stress in their lives and between themselves proves they don't. So what does a person do? That's that was that was the crucible of my youth was wanting to understand that. 
And, and so it was that I began th this investigation, which ostensibly, you know, it seems like for the longest time it's a, a look into other people and why they are the way they are and why are things going like that. But in the end, if a person's fortunate and persists long enough in wanting to understand something of the truth of their life, they get to the point where they realize the task here is not to change my parents, my brothers, my sisters, not to change the world. The task is to understand the parts of me that are giving me the experience that I'm having. Because until I understand my own nature, the way relationships work and reveal to me what I can't understand through any other medium, I'm going to be taking pot shots in the dark and come up with the same result, which is no real understanding of my own. I I understand, and um, you know this this book that you have, um, you know this soul transforming book that you have put together. I'm I'm going to just list a few areas, um, and then we'll go in one of those. Um, some of the things that you address in this book are how to love your partner without limits, which is that um, you know relationship magic waking up together. Um, and how to release negative reactions before they wreck everything. So I really, really love the one article um, that I read by you on um, how to, which one was it? It was uh, how to transform a painful relationship and how if the pattern, and you can talk about this, if the pattern is to immediately like respond in a certain way and then the partner responds in that way, changing that and going to silence it, or surrender but not giving in. It's just a surrender and doing it in a different way. That really spoke to me a lot. Good. Good. Yes. All right. So we'll just start with that uh, as as a good place uh, for for all of us because we all know, really without even having to think about it, how these relationships that we have with our partner or with anybody for that matter uh, someone says something, someone does something, it triggers something in us, we say something back in order to defend ourselves or prove the other person is wrong, and then as soon as we say what we're going to say, do what we're going to do, we just stir in them, uh, you know, the next DEFCON 3, DEFCON 4, until we are at, at some kind of uh, stalemate or worse, a knockdown, drag-out argument. And my book tries to help people understand the root of that problem because most of us believe that the patterns that we have that are painful with the people in our lives is because of who and what they are and that if only they would change, then we wouldn't run through this pattern. But that's just not true. So you be advocate for the listeners, Cindy. When you say something to someone in your life, mom, dad, brother, sister, husband, partner, whatever, you say something of a, and we'll just be kind, we'll call it a slightly critical nature, mentioning something about a limitation of their something that you would like to see them change to be better people. When you 
say something like that to someone? Is it because in that moment you're happy with them? Or is it because in that moment something they have said or done has produced a momentary pain in you and now you want to fix them in order to get rid of the pain that you blame on them? Do you understand what I'm saying? I understand totally. Right. So the bottom line is the only time that we say something to someone about their nature, what they're doing that troubles or bothers us, or again, we can say it in a nice way that we want to see them become a better person, is because they have done something that has produced a pain in us. Now, the truth is, Cindy, we don't know we're in pain when we try to tell the other person about a problem they have. All we see through our eyes in that moment is the source of our temporary suffering, which is our partner. And it seems natural, in fact, even loving on our part, to point out to our partner where it is that they've missed the mark and how if they would just make this little adjustment in their character, everything would be perfectly content again and we'd be happy. But here's what we don't see. First, we don't see that it is a pain in us that points the finger at a problem in our partner. We also don't see that when our partner feels the pain in us that's pointing out their limitation, they are pained by our manifestation. Our partner only feels what we are giving them emotionally in that moment. They don't see, they don't understand what we're telling them is the cause. They just feel who we are and what we are giving them in that moment. So when we give our partner pain that begins with us, the only thing our partner knows to do is the same thing we just did, which is to blame the pain they are now in on us. And so you have two people blaming each other, doesn't matter who started it, for a pain that doesn't belong to either of them directly, but rather to a nature that they share that they don't understand is driving this pattern. And until one or both of these people, you or I, actually recognize that there is no way that pain and a fight as the result of it is going to end as long as both of us are looking at the other person as being responsible for the conflict. Until we understand something like that, Cindy, nothing can happen. The pattern will just go on and on and on, including when we reach a so-called compromise You know, what we call reaching a compromise with our partner is the agreement to bury the pain to postpone the next fight over the same principle a day or a month later. Only the fight will be exacerbated because the resentment will have grown because the seed of that suffering never was resolved. So my book is about digging a little bit deeper into these moments with our partner where we can start to use that relationship in this instance to realize, you know what? My partner just said something like, I think you've put on a few pounds 
or why are you talking to me like that? It doesn't matter what they say. What matters is in that moment, there's something in me that immediately resists and negatively reacts to what they have said or done. When I am the instrument of that negative reaction, I don't know I am the instrument of that reaction because just like my partner, I'm blaming them for the reaction. If, if I'll, I'll be quiet for a moment in case you want to jump in here and ask a question. Otherwise, I'll just keep going. Well, it, I mean, I mean, you know, I'll, I think that a lot of what you're saying is slow it down. Like, slow it down, and, you know, if you don't do your usual response of reacting, and you slow it down and go within and think, okay, what is this person activating in me? Why, what is it really that I'm upset about? I mean, yeah. you know, and I love I love the mirror work, you know, like, you know, that, that old saying of when you're pointing one finger at someone else, three are pointing back. Well, I like Course in Miracles better. What you're perceiving in another, you're strengthening in yourself. So do you want to see their faults or their strengths? But I think that when, you know, what you've been talking about, when it doesn't get resolved, it's just like, okay, a lot of relationship you kiss and make up and, you know, and nothing really got resolved. And then it gets it comes up again, and and it's like, well, if I say anything, then they're just going to get upset, so I just won't say anything. And then that withhold creates mass, and then, you know, it's 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 not resolved. So you have to, what I think you're saying, and I, um, if I tell me if I'm on the correct track here, is yeah. you have to look inside yourself. It's your own work, really. It's your own work. Our partner, much like when we see something beautiful in nature, we don't know that living in us is that sense of harmony, that beauty. We don't know there is a part of us that can feel something floating on the air and know it as something that belongs to us because in that moment with our partner, with nature, we are being made aware of an aspect of our own consciousness that until the revelation comes, we don't realize is within us. And we love our partners because, especially in the early days, they show us things about ourselves that are just delightful. Who knew that one could feel so uh, love-struck, so enamored, so wanting to please, so uh, concerned with another person. Who knew? But to the point of the book, that's just half. The other half is the same principle on only those moments where our partner does something that instead of us seeing something that we like inside of ourselves, we are shown there's something that we brought with us into that moment that is a limitation on love. That in that moment where my partner has said something, for instance, maybe some comment about uh, the way I dress or they, I should be different in some ways, we don't know that we walk around with these seeds of the past buried into an unconscious nature, just waiting, if you will, for something or someone to say something 
And in that split second, a part of us that we had no idea even existed suddenly owns our mouth and owns our heart and begins to speak for us and emote for us its unhappiness over being made visible. So our partner, if we understand the higher aspect of a relationship, is there to help reveal in us what has been concealed in us until the moment of that revelation. It is the revelation and our sudden awareness of that, Cindy, listeners, that helps us realize, you know what? This thing that I'm feeling, this anger, this resentment, this regret, it can't have anything to do with love. It, it's, it's a vestige from the past. And in the awareness of something that no longer serves me, I agree to no longer let it step in between my partner and myself so that the revelation produces a conscious release of all that we have brought with us into that moment from the past. And when we start to understand that this is a mirror and our partner is showing us what we would never be able to see otherwise within us, both the beautiful parts and the not-so-beautiful parts, then we start to understand how love really works. It's trying to help us as men and women not just discover what is empowering and positive, but what is standing in us as a limitation to the discovery of a more limitless love and a deeper relationship with our partner. Wow. So, okay, with so many people right now being single, we have more single people in the history of the United States than ever before. And it's it's across the board. You know, um, it's I don't know statistically, but it really doesn't matter. I guess my question is this. <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, my question is this. You know, when people are wounded from a relationship and then they, you know, they pack up their marbles and off they go. And, you know, I, I hear it a lot. I have no interest to ever date again. And you're just like, my goodness, <laughs> first, 40s or 50s, they've already like, you know, like they're just that. Yeah. And, and then, and then, you know, I'll run across, I, I, uh, I, I work as a real estate agent uh, as well and feng shui consultant. And I had this lady who was in her 80s, a recent widow, like two years, you know, ago. And she sold her house and moved into this, like retirement thing that offered yoga and, you know, all these things and, and music and, you know, cocktails on Friday night and, you know, dancing. And, and I told her daughter I, and her, I said, you know, you're going to be dating again. And she's like, oh, no, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm not kidding, guys. She's had two wonderful guys. One, one she had for a year and he died. And <laughs> she's got this other one and she dances and does yoga and, so so it's like you just wonder, you know, the people who have given up, like how do you like restoke them? Or is it just... No, look, all right, this is a great question because you're describing something that isn't just common to individuals who have been decoupled through some betrayal or heartbreak or change in direction of path. 
we're talking about something really important. People say, I'm never going to be hurt again. Not like that. And what they're really saying is that I am going to close the door without knowing it because a part of me wants love. We're human beings. We are, we are created to love, literally created to know love. In the truest sense of it, it's the purpose of our existence, but that's another story. So here I am, and I never want to get hurt again because why? I blame love. I fell in love, I gave my heart, and he or she tore it apart, trampled it. And it was so painful, and it is, that I'm, I'm just, I, I, I'm never going to do that again. Or, and much to the point here, everyone who comes into my life where there's even a momentary stirring of an ember, I'm going to be very careful to make sure that ember really never becomes a fire because I don't want to get burned again. Yes. And without knowing, without knowing it, we hold love as being responsible for the pain that we went through. Cindy, love never hurts a human being. It can. It's the master healer. It's the master healer. Love heals all things. Love cannot hurt us. What we wind up doing without knowing it is blaming the relationship and or love as one thing for what happened when at some point in that relationship we were brought to, a, to an edge, to a pivotal point where our partner did or said or acted in such a way as to suddenly reveal this pain that we had brought forward with us from our life and in that moment there was just no way that we were going to go further for fear of what would happen to us again and please listeners listen the fear of what may happen to us again is what is happening to us again and again and again because we don't understand that those moments where relationships break up is because we have not used the relationship to wake up, to understand something has come into this moment with us we don't understand. Here's an example. I'm with someone, friend, partner, business person, my wife, someone. They do something and, boy, does it rub me the wrong way. The minute I'm rubbed the wrong way, I view that person as having a limitation that's so obvious to me that I either point it out or I just sort of bite the bullet and quietly resent them because maybe I pointed that out to them a thousand times before. Look, you have this flaw. You have this fault. You always say these things. This is what you do in these circumstances. So you're on board with me, right, Cindy? Oh, I'm right there with you. I get I'm going. Right. I mean, I'm so with here, you. Here's where we're going. We believe that the pain in that moment is the result of their limitation, their fault, their weakness. What we have to see is that what we are blaming on them and deriving our identity from, which is negative, 
is our limitation in that moment. So here's a nature that does not want to embrace the revelation of its own weakness. And by the way, getting angry at somebody feels like it's strength, but it's an act of weakness. And the way we know it is is that it hurts someone else and us as we're doing it. So that we have a situation where we are kind of a captive of a level of consciousness that would rather find fault with another human being than be willing to see where it is that a part of us is made negative by that fault and recognize, you know what? Anything that wants to limit love, the understanding of myself and my partner, that's the limitation. We share the limitation. You are not the source of it. Then we're on to something significant because, as you said, our attention has to come back to ourselves. We have to see that something that is concealed has been revealed, and now we have to choose. Am I going to serve what I know is true so that I can begin to do something different and give my partner a chance to be a different human being? Or am I going to serve the old nature and let its suffering set the table which turns out to be a nightmare for everybody. You know, it's so interesting. I had a coaching client this week who had a partner betray him. And um, I had never really, you know, worked with him. I've known him for a long time, but I, um, in, a, in a professional capacity. But he asked, reached out and asked for help. And in the course of um, working with him, it, of course, came out that every partner he'd ever had had betrayed him because that's his thought, that people who love me betray me. So once he was able to capture that thought and that he has this thought and that thoughts are things and that's where his energy continued to focus and then then it would happen and see, see, I knew it. You know, I knew it. You can't trust people because, you know, no matter how much a well, person loves you, there's, yeah, no, you know, no, it's a self-fulfilling. Good. Right, right. Yeah, and it, because... It, uh, if I've been hurt, if I've been hurt once, I'm going to look for not I. That's the point that we're making. Some unconscious nature. That's what right. it's going to look for. It's going to look for moments where it can prove to itself that my partner just did what all my other partners have done. And until we're aware enough that we have brought that nature with us through time, and that its time is up. When we get to see it, we're going to give it more time to do what it's always done again, which is to ruin everything. It's going to come to an end if we can understand the moment of that revelation. So if that really can be understood, Cindy, that means when that split second comes where I feel that pain, it isn't the proof of a problem. It's the proof of a misperception, a misunderstanding in me that's actually looking to way to continue that kind of consciousness that must come to an end if love is going to have a new beginning. That's it right there. I mean, Guy, that's it right there. And that's that surrendering that you talked about. It's yeah. not surrendering to the other person. It's surrendering to the, oh, my gosh, I, I, I don't want to do this anymore. This is like, I, I want to change this. I want the awakening. And, you know, it's just it's just beautiful when people you know, and us, all of us, awaken to that. And when you can do it with a partner, I mean, how fabulous is that? And, you know, you know, you have a ready-made 
person to practice with, you know, when you're in a relationship. And, you know, when you can go deeply, but, you know, you only go as deeply as you feel safely. And I think that's where the trusting yourself has to come in and trusting that there's a higher love. Wait, 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 because this isn't about trusting ourselves. It's about seeing where we are identifying with a nature that literally lives to mistrust. Okay, guys, I said it incorrectly. Go ahead, keep going. Yeah, I want to be really clear about that. Go ahead. Well, no, 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 go ahead, because I said it incorrectly. But when we, I guess, let me try it again. When we trust that everything that occurs, it's by divine, it's a co-creation. You know, like if there's a betrayal, there's two people who had the energy maybe a third person if you want to consider the person that was drawn into it. But but it's really all about, okay, so if this pattern has shown up again and again, it can't be about really that person. It has to be about me. So what well, am I it, doing? It, it, it and not in a blaming way. This is the other thing. It's not a, I think a lot of people start, when they start waking up to the self-analysis, it can almost, and especially in the New Age community, my experience has been that, well, what was your thought that created that? Or what were you, you know, even with illnesses and stuff. So it's really not that. It's, no. I, I, I like how you started with you have to turn resentment into compassion. Yeah, and that compassion and, and, starts no, with no, yourself no, wait, wait, as well. Wait, wait. But we don't turn resentment into compassion. Compassion shows us that resentment is a dead end. And then we die to it. And then we have entered into a compassionate relationship, first with a light, a love, and awareness that has shown us we have carried this resentment with us as a shield, as armor. It doesn't protect us. It punishes us first, and then everyone else that we meet. I want to, you know, I, I never stop working, Cindy. I'm almost 70 years old, and I never ever stop working at wanting to explore ever deeper the possibilities that we are given as human beings when we come into this world. Every possibility that you and I and our listeners will ever come to realize exists as it does because of love, because of relationship. What we don't get yet, and I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to explain what I'm just even now seeing more deeply myself. Look, I I meet somebody, I've been with my wife for almost 40 years, and honestly, we've never raised our voices at each other, not once in all those years. Wow. but, But what we have seen and what I'm understanding now is, look, I meet somebody, I fall in love. Depending on our type, it could be head over heels. It could be, you know, a toe in the water at the time. But the bottom line is that we fall in love because as we do, something that brought us together, I didn't bring myself to my wife. My wife didn't bring herself to me. A third party is involved. This is what nobody understands about love. A matchmaker, if you want. A celestial divine matchmaker brings together two qualities, two characters, a seed and water, a sunlight, a sunbeam, and the flower it falls on. And in that moment when the match is made, a growth can begin because a unity is being formed. 
A relationship exists, and we love that in the beginning with our partner. They can do no wrong. We live on every word they say. They can't wait to be with us, which is a miracle. It's unbelievable that somebody actually wants to spend time with us because we kind of know what we're like, but we don't have to deal with it because they're so enamored and we're so enamored. It's like a fairy tale. And then, as B.B. King said, the thrill is gone. Suddenly, everything that was so fantastic begins to lose a little bit of its glitter, a little bit of its glow. Are you with me, Cindy? I'm totally there. Listeners, I hope you're with me. Now, here's where this gets so beautiful. What seems to be the death knell, the unraveling, the unwinding of our relationship because it's not quite as thrilling as it used to be is really the same as the beginning of another level of love. Love has further to go. It'd be like a, the prince of, in a kingdom, a princess with, with her mother, the, the matriarch. And the mother says, daughter, listen, I want to give you these riches. And the daughter says, oh, that's great. I want all of that. And the mother comes later and says, I want to give you more riches. And the daughter says, well, no, I, I don't really want more. Because if I take what you're offering me, I'm going to have to assume some responsibility, and I'd rather just keep what I've got, even though I'm losing interest in it. Love wants us to learn that there is no end to what it's possible to learn about ourselves and love itself. Love is a true third partner. It binds us together so that in that binding we can not only unite to create something new and true between us, but in that binding also a polishing, also a perfecting, a discovering of what's limited and painful in us only through that relationship. So that gradually if we will stay and let love take us to the next level, she will, it will, meaning love will, begin to remove the dross from our soul, from our unconsciousness, and in the discovery of those limitations that only our partner can help us realize, we actually are healed, not in the sense of a problem that's made to go away, but the revelation and recognition of where it is that there was so much more to who and what we could be once we got some of this junk out of the way that could only happen when our partner pushed a button that we swore we would never want pushed again. Then we have a chance to let love do what it wants to do with us, which is to perfect us. And in perfecting us, our relationship is perfected. And in the path that leads to that, Cindy, the revelation that there is a divine love, that there is another world altogether trying to work its way in us and through us so that we can become true human beings, not just loving our partner, but allowing life to bring us into broader and deeper relationships with every aspect of it. And that is when it gets really good. Yes. (laughs) It's magical. I mean, I love the name of this book. I was like, oh, relationship magic waking up together and it's like you know 
it's it's so nice to be able to be with a partner and learn together, wake up together. And I mean, the title of the book, even before I, you know, um, you know, heard what it was all about, I was like, oh, this is a perfect title. You know, waking up together and using that magic of awareness, and that comes with self discovery and self analysis, yes. and yes. and embracing the moment. You know, like being in the moment, like. And, and that's what I, I love how you keep bringing nature in, you know, you, you know, not a sledgehammer with it, but, you know, of course, nature, nature just teaches us, you know, such beauty, such perfection right. and that's just right. innocence, you know, and, um, and, and, and we love it because through it, we realize that nature is just the expression of a divine character that already lives in us. I see a mountain, I sense the great strength. Well, the strength isn't in the mountain. The strength is in my own soul, some aspect of my own consciousness that sits by and large unrealized, unrevealed most of the time. Love does the same thing. Out of that sense of love for a child, for a pet, for your special partner, if it's really love, you want to put them first. That's what love does. But our usual nature is not to put someone or something else first. Our usual nature is to put ourselves first and get the other person to believe that we put them first so they can thank us for our selfish act. But that's not how it really works. Now we're learning that it's possible to be in direct relationship with the subtitle of my book before it became Waking Up Together was The Endless Journey of Love. Relationship magic, The Endless Journey of Love. But we thought it through, and it seemed that waking up together was a lot more provocative and on point when it comes to couples. But we are talking about this endless journey of love that we make through our relationships that reveal to us the fact that there is a love that brought us together, there is a love that has kept us together, And there is a love that will show us how to release these old patterns in ourselves to prove the perfection of what love wanted to show us in the beginning, that it's endless. You know, one of my favorite sayings about this, and I don't even know where it came, you know how you read books and you take seminars and, you know, and some things stick, you know, and you just never forget them. And the one is love brings up anything unlike itself for the purpose of healing. And I really feel that the greater and deeper you go in love and experiencing the love, it does bring other things up because when you're in that love frequency and and living there more and more, anything unlike it, you can deal with it more because the love gives you the special magic power, sort of, to be able to look. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like superpowers of the game. Let's say it differently. It isn't really that love gives us you know, a magic special power. Love shows us that whatever it is that we're about to judge, we are a part of it already. So who are we to judge? And in that revelation, (laughs) yeah, in that revelation is compassion. In that revelation is real forgiveness. I'm not forgiving you because I'm superior. I forgive you because I'm no different than you, so I can't hold your feet to the fire anymore. Now I understand the purpose of what you did. 
It's to help me understand I'm just like you in one way or another. I may not do exactly the things that you do, but I know and have felt and seen time and time again that you and I, though part of me would say, no, you're different and punish you for that, that's not true. And the bottom of this thing, we are united, we are connected in a consciousness that we need, and if we will allow love to show us that integration so that we can begin the proper uh, interactions with one another at all levels, not just partners. Our world is coming apart at the seams, in case no one's noticed. (laughs) Oh, the great divide, yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and yet, you know, we're all learning from each other. You know, it, it, our our wonderful internet and instant communication, you know, emails, everything, you know, it's all speeded up, but it's still, we have so much to learn, just so much to learn. And I, want the li- I want the listeners to write something down. Okay, get your pen and paper or, or your phone about, and you're typing it. About, okay. We're talking about learning, waking up. Here it's three simple words. Resistance can't learn. Resistance can't learn. Any moment in which I'm suddenly filled with anger, vehemence, some kind of self-righteousness, attitude about someone or something else, so that I am the very instrument of resistance itself, In that moment, love is cut out of the scene. All there is is my certainty that someone or something else is wrong and I'm right, which means if I'm cut off from that revelation, there's no way I will ever discover the truth of myself through it. You can't resist a moment and learn from it. That means I can't resist something my partner does and discover the truth about myself and my partner in that same moment. If we just took that much away, if we just understood it, I'm not saying, listen, there's a whole section in the book. We're in training. Welcome to planet Earth. We are in training, all of us, at one level or another. But if we can begin to get our mind around a single idea, Resistance can't learn. Here I am, I'm suddenly set against my partner, set against this person, that predicament. In that split second, if I can see, you know what, I am really full of negativity. I'm resisting this tooth and nail. If I can see that, and then I can remember, you know what, guy, you can't be resisting this moment and let it teach you. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. Well, if the teacher appears and the student's going, I don't like the lesson, good luck. Nothing's going to change. That's it. That's what we have to do. And it's not easy, but love finds a way. Yeah. Oh, I I love that. I mean, I've never heard it put quite that way. But it's true, you know, and what we resist persists. And it's just, you know, the, the love... The love is like the liquid liquid river that can flow into your heart and your mind and you know it's 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 our teacher, but if we're in resistance, I've never heard it put that, but you're right. If we are in resistance, we cannot learn. It's impossible. 
Now, if we just, like I said, so much of what I do, you know, I live and teach in southern Oregon, Cindy. I have a foundation here on 15 acres of old growth sugar pine, beautiful place. And I teach, I speak three or four times a week. And by the way, um, if you go to www, if you go to Guy Finley, G-U-Y-F-I-N-L-E-Y, GuyFinley.org, there's a free, there's you can get some free goodies there, some MP3s, and learn about the work we're doing. But to the point, that's what we work at. How can I take something that I know is true? We can, we don't have to be Einstein. I'm sitting here wishing this moment, wishing you weren't like you, wishing you were different, which means I'm pushing you away. Can I push you away and have any kind of communion whatsoever with you, let alone any awareness of a consciousness that believes the solution to a pain is to push it away? The solution to pain isn't to push it away. The solution to pain is to start understanding that we are, whether we see it or not, complicit in the moment of that conflict. There's some expectation, some demand, something we brought forward with us, and it's not being satisfied. Our partner, that moment, is not playing according to the rules that we wrote and that they're not following. So the issue isn't that they're not following the rules. The issue is we've got a rule book written out in the darkness of an unconscious mind seeking its own consolation, and anybody that doesn't follow the rules turns into my enemy. And I will never know that I live with that rule book, those demands, those expectations, as long as I continue to see you as the problem for the pain. Resistance can't learn. Take that one thing. Right. And that, Guy Finley, is what's happening in our country. Yep, that's exactly right. 100%, and, by the way. And it's never been like this at this level. And uh, maybe it has, but I don't ever recall, you know, ever feeling that there's no, um, the twain shall not meet, there's no listening to one another. I, it, it's just really quite fascinating. And I went a little crazy with it, I'll, I'll be honest, myself. <laughs> and it, But, but my, my son, who's in his early 30s, said to me, he says, well, Mom, you don't understand. What's happened is people have cleaned out their Facebook lists and their Twitter lists. Anyone who's, like, speaking something that they don't like, they've cleared them out. So now they're only with the people that think the way they do. I started laughing, and he said, when you only are around people that think the way you think, then you think that that's the right way, and anyone else that uh, thinks and, differently and is that's wrong. What, and that's what we call sanity. <sighs> when nothing could be more insane yes. than refusing yes. to discover where it is that within all of us, there is a nature that in order to feel right, must have someone who is wrong. That's not love. Write this down, listeners, and then if you choose to, remember it. Love never separates. Love never separates. Love never blames. Love never blames. And by the way, love is never absent in any moment of our life. So that if it feels like love is missing... It's not because the love that brought us together isn't there. It's that we have parted ways, not just with love, but with the possibility love is presenting us in that moment 
to see that love has never left us because it's trying to show us something that will release us from that limitation and learn yet another level of a love that has no end. And that is where the magic is. Yep. Wow. You know, I one of my other sayings, and I, you know, a lot of this is from Course in Miracles. I, I, I'm, I'm sure, but judgment create judgment of any kind creates separation. So when you were just saying love does not separate, love always, you know, it's it's really it's the unifier. It is, and the we unifier. must and we must bear what we must in the moment where it's possible to do that. Love only unites when we agree to let it reveal in us what is separating us from our partner. We blame everyone for our pain. No one is responsible for our pain, but everybody can reveal to us that we have brought it with us through time, that it's an aspect of our nature that unattended, becomes a ceaseless torment and an endless judger of persons and places, but understood properly, actually begins to bring an end, not just to the judge, but to the belief that someone else has authority over where my attention is and what my experience is in that moment. Then we assume real responsibility, which, by the way, is what love is also asking us to do. Being, yes, being responsible versus reacting. And that's where that surrender and that's where that going within. You know, so listeners, in this book, it's, uh, I love how uh, Guy says, ultimately readers will experience the alchemical magic of waking up together on a journey towards a new and higher kind of love that transcends any differences or issues. If relationship magic proves one thing, it is this. When it comes to love, all things are possible. So Relationship Magic Waking Up Together by Guy Finley is available. You can find it on Amazon, uh, Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble. I have a, I have a, Cindy, I have a special, my foundation has put together a very special offer. If oh, the let's hear listeners, it. If the listeners go to RelationshipMagicBook.com, one word, RelationshipMagicBook.com, right on that page, they can order the book through one of the major retailers and get on the spot downloaded a free copy of the audio book that I read. They'll also get free access to two live streamed webinars that I'm going to give on relationship magic at the end of October and a download of a 90-minute or a 60-minute MP3 about higher love. So the, you get a bunch of special gifts, including the audio book. If you go to relationship magic book. Dot com. Okay, fabulous. You're so generous. And and l- listeners, remember this is a podcast. Tell your friends, tell your, you know, your your loved ones, listen to it together. I mean, you can both listen and learn. And um you can listen to it any hour of the day or night, the minute uh this interview ends in, a, in just about a moment. Um then, you know, it's it's a podcast and you can take that link, you can forward it, you can share it. 
Um, but do go to relationshipmagicbook.com and, and take advantage of the wonderful goodies that Guy is offering. And there's also a great article, um, this issue of Spirit Seeker in the October issue, so um, spiritseeker.com. Uh, how to uh, invoke love's divine magic. Guy, thank you so much for the work that you're doing and um, for the magic and waking up together. So thank you so much. um, Okay, (laughs) all right. And listeners, we'll be back next week, and just have a wonderful week. Namaste. Thanks so much, Guy. Bye-bye.